This is the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management video and podcast. You'll meet world-class leading professionals who share their wisdom, careers, and experiences. Join us on YouTube and all quality podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, and Radio Public. Welcome, everybody, to the University of Applied Research and Development's Emergency Response and Risk Management Podcast. I'm here with Jay O'Connor, who is an Emergency Preparedness Program Manager for the Canadian Nuclear Laboratory. So I'm delighted to have you here, Jay. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for making this happen on your day off. No problem. Hey, so Jay, um, tell us about your role and what you do right now. Okay, well, my, uh, my current role for the Canadian Nuclear Lab's uh, White Shell location in Manitoba, Canada, is to, um, well, like many emergency response roles, I'm the what-if guy. So it's my job to consider the what if this were to occur and what if that were to occur. Um, then we take a, a look at what can we do to, um, well, mitigation, prevention, uh, preparedness, response, recovery, right? So make sure we're prepared for each of those. And an interesting thing that the nuclear industry does that uh, is new, was sort of new for me when I came into the nuclear industry, is they have a principle known as ALARA, which is as low as reasonably achievable, um, which is something they apply to radiological protection and, and controlling the spread of contamination and stuff like that. Uh, very similar to COVID, it's, a, it's an invisible opponent, if you will. And so um, lots of checks and balances put into place. But at the end of the day, there's an understanding that you can only do what is is reasonable. Um, and so it's been interesting to take that and apply it to the emergency response work that we do as far as our emergency procedures, the teams and response teams that we put together. Um, and in this particular role, I get to do a lot more um, hands-on exercise development and, and, and training and, and running exercise drills for the security, fire, uh, medical response teams on site, as well as the facility operators and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting job because I get everything from the high-level policy stuff all the way down to uh, running boots-on-the-ground drills in the field, which is, uh, takes me back to my roots a little bit, which has been very interesting. So tell us about a usual week in, in Jay's emergency preparedness and response. All right. Um, well, as, as you can imagine, uh, the nuclear industry, like many others, like oil and gas and stuff, is very highly regulated. Um, so big part of my job is making sure that we stay compliant both with our regulatory and licensing requirements, um, but also with... Uh, you know, what works for the site. So I've, I've got to take those, uh, those rules, make sure we check all those boxes appropriately and, and are prepared and ready for those things, but then take a hard look at the site to see what else could occur here that's maybe not covered through regulation. Um, there, there can be a tendency to get a little bit uh, tunnel vision and just focus in on what the regulator mandates and dictates and stuff as opposed to taking a look at the bigger picture. So a normal week for me is, is usually um, do a lot of uh, exercises and drills. Um, I spend a lot of time at the beginning of the year making sure all of my procedures and documents are done and up to speed so that for the rest of the year I can focus on implementation and tweaking and adapting those procedures 
um, over the course of the year and then do a bit of a reset at the end of the year and start that cycle again. So this time of year, I would have just normally, if it wasn't for COVID currently, I would have just normally finished um, all of my procedural reviews um, and I would be working on training with the various teams that I have. So we have our first responders that I work closely with. We have our emergency operations center staff. Um, so the strategic people that set up and run things. And then I have an in-between group, um, which we call the officer in charge and emergency steward program. So each building on site that has uh, occupants in it has an officer in charge. So some, some places call it a fire marshal, fire warden program, those sorts of things, same idea. But the idea is that when an emergency happens, um, I need each building essentially to be a standalone, prepared to respond uh, and understand their role and then how that fits into the bigger picture and the overall response on site. So it's a lot of kind of coordinating those moving parts and ensuring that one change to one facility or team doesn't have a trickle down effect to the rest of the site and making sure that, that uh, there's sort of that harmonious interchange between, uh, between the different groups and, and the levels of response. So, Is there a method or a model that you use like ICS or something to, to run things and train people? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very firm believer in the incident command system. Um, so, and on the, in Canada, at least on the prairies, uh, ICS in Western Canada has been prevalent for a number of years. It's, it's the premier response um, system that's used out here. Interesting thing is with uh, bigger companies like the Canadian Nuclear Labs, we have sites here and in Ontario and Quebec and New Brunswick, um, so several different provinces. And in Eastern Canada, they use a slightly different or adapted version of ICS. Uh, so it, it's always interesting to strike that balance between ensuring that corporately we're kind of following the corporate line and meeting the mandate there set forth by the head office, but at the same time ensuring that we're able to plug in with the local, local response group. So um, no fire department that I've ever come across or worked for ever has more staff than they need for normal operations, which means they're very quickly overwhelmed during disasters and, and major emergency events. Um, same thing with police and, and EMS. So we can handle the day-to-day -day events on site, but if something bigger to work, would, uh, were to occur, we obviously would have to rely upon uh, our local response fire department's uh, medical system in the region where we operate. Um, so ensuring that we speak a common language with them, which is one of the fundamental uh, points of ICS, uh, making sure that yeah, we can integrate with them, but we can still talk with the head office and make sure that that, that lines up. How do you cultivate those relationships? Um, so in, the, in this job, it, it's been a little different for me. Normally in, in my sort of past life, there was a lot more uh, interactions. Um, I was I almost want to say social interactions, getting together for lunch and, you know, having those conversations, getting to know the individuals. It's been a little bit different here because we're so, as a nuclear site, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody wants, you know, no city wants a nuclear site in their backyard, right? So, uh, so we're, we're rather isolated, but we, uh, we try and invite them out. We do annual exercises. Um, I try and maintain uh, relationships with my counterparts within those organizations. Um, I, again, you know, uh, there's an, ex an expression in Canada and emergency management was just the, you don't want to be exchanging business cards at the time of an emergency, right? That's a right. wrong time to be doing that. So just making sure that the guy on the other end of the phone or the gal on the other end of the phone, when they, I pick it up and say, Hey, this is Jay, I need this. Make sure that they know who I am, understand 
we have that relationship established that I know resources will start moving quickly and we'll work out the details sort of farther down the road when we get there. Um, but there won't be a delay in that response. So there's been a little bit of that. Um, but again, with this role being a little more tactical and tied to the boots on the ground, we've actually had the opportunity to bring offsite fire departments in, run joint drills with them, uh, joint drills with the, the RCMP, the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which is the federal police um, department of jurisdiction. Um, and then with our local uh, regional health authority, bringing them in and running different drills, um, it provides a sort of wealth of opportunity to get people in to play together. Um, and for them, it's interesting because nuclear is not something very common in Canada, especially in, in uh, the area where we are, where the, uh, uh, we're the only nuclear uh, site in Western Canada, really. Um, everything else mm -hmm. is typically focused in Ontario. So for the responders out here, this is not something they come across very often. Right. Uh, Part of what I do is making sure when I run an exercise that we get what we need out of it, which is that, you know, medical interaction or fire interaction, but that they also get some sort of a, um, a greater understanding of the hazards that they're going to face if they do come to the site and what we are going to do to protect them from those potential hazards. So it gives and them that peace of mind. And that's annually or do you do other smaller communications and meetings? Um, so the big, the big field level exercises or functional exercises, those are usually annually, um, at least for the fire department, uh, because it's a much bigger group to try and organize that. So we try and do something annually with them. And then with our, our health authority, I run multiple health uh, or, or medical type scenarios on our site. And so kind of open it up to them and say, if you've got a day when they're available and you want to send them in, we can easily integrate them into that response. Um, so we'll usually get a couple or three of those in a year with uh, those smaller level responses. And an interesting opportunity that we have on our site that's, I guess, somewhat unique is we're a decommissioning site. So our job right now is to actually shut down the site, tear down all the buildings, work ourselves out of jobs. Um, but because of that, I do a lot of work with the um, RCMP emergency response team and their bomb disposal team and groups like that because it's an opportunity for them to come and play with a building that we're going to knock down in a week's time anyways and so they can blow holes in walls and, and you know do some of the stuff with a heavy commercial building that they wouldn't normally get the opportunity to practice mm. they just look at the theory most of what they get is residential type wood frame structures so to have a big concrete building they can play around with prevents some good training opportunities for them and uh, certainly certainly goes a long way to strengthen those relationships mm. uh, for us from a response perspective. Normally blowing up someone else's building does not form a relationship. That sounds, sounds unique. <laughs> it's a bit of fun too, I will admit. So. Yeah. Hey, tell us about some of your previous roles that you've had and the experiences that you've had where you've learned things from. All right. I have a, uh, I've actually had some really interesting opportunities. I, my, my previous job prior to this, I was the emergency manager for the city of Regina, which is the capital city of Saskatchewan, one of the provinces here. Um, and so that, that was a very interesting role for me. That's the municipal level government. Um, and it's really, I always described it as the center of the hourglass. So from there, you would go up to the provincial, uh, the government or, or regional for some countries, and then you have your federal level government above that. Those things always feed down to the municipal level. And then from the municipal level, spreading out, working with all of your critical infrastructure sector partners and stuff like that. So all of them were looking to you for, for um, 
guidance, direction, leadership, because you were the authority having jurisdiction, and all of the feds were trying to feed information into you. But when it really came down to it, um, the federal government's ability to roll out a lot of um, or, or to mandate and, and have work accomplished requires the municipal government, the people with the buses, the firefighters, and you know those sorts of people. Um, we needed that relationship. So it was a really fascinating position to be in the middle of that uh, for, for a city like Regina. Um, and prior to coming to Regina, I actually did a similar role, but with small rural communities. So I would have a community of 500 people or 1,200 people. Um, and that was kind of, I was hired into that role right out of university. And so I took everything I'd learned about ICS and all the stuff I learned in university, and I had to apply it to an environment where there was no resources. Um, small communities get volunteered out very quickly. So the people that are willing to volunteer to do stuff are usually already on three or four different groups. Um, so that municipal thing was, was an, uh, or that rural municipal thing was an excellent learning opportunity because it forced me to take a, a look at what I had learned and then figure out not just the letter of the law, if you will, but what's the intent and how do I apply that where I only have 12 people to do all of the work that in the city of Regina, I might have 500 people to do. So it was a very fascinating progression. So to start there kind of forced me to, forced, uh, forced me to take a look at what I had learned um, and apply it for, and find that intent, I guess. And that kind of shaped how I handled emergency response from that point forward in my career. And then moving into the Regina, suddenly I was back into that environment where the resources were available. Um, so I could sort of branch out and, and increase scope there a little bit. Um, and now moving into where I am now in, a, in an industrial environment, um, again, it's a very different concept because you're, it's less about public protection, not that we don't stress uh, public safety, but, but it's really, it's that corporate level mandate. You're not interacting with the public on a regular basis. And so it's a very different perspective. It's very inward focused, whereas in those municipal roles, it was very outward focused. So, mm. um, and I guess prior to that, just uh, university, I, I have the, uh, the honor or the distinction of, of being uh, the first person to enroll in a full-time emergency management program in Canada. Wow. Um, it was the first program put forward, and uh, I was the, yeah, like I say, first person to find out about it, put my name in the hat for it, and uh, and kind of to see that grow as an industry in Canada and to have been a part of that that pilot process, and now there's several other programs, and yeah, it's been, it's been a very interesting journey. Um, what motivated you started, to enroll in that? Well, I started um, before all of that in, um, I lived in British Columbia, and I was involved with search and rescue. Um, kind of my passion. I loved the outdoors and, and off-roading and hiking and all those fun outdoor activities. And so it seemed to uh, lend itself with my personality to wanting to help people out to the search and rescue field. Uh, met some great guys, had some interesting opportunities, and I was trying to find a way of making that a full-time career. And I was actually just about to sign up for a structural engineering course because I did a lot of collapse structural rescue because of the earthquake threat that's in BC. Mm. And uh, I found about this program and I thought, that sounds perfect. And uh, yeah, so kind of followed it uh, and, and it's led me on this path, this journey ever since. So. so from search and rescue to the bachelor program to working in a city environment to then in an industrial environment, that's quite a, quite a few changes that you've been through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would be one of the most, 
I don't want to say scary, but invigorating um, activities, either a simulation or a real event that you've been involved in? Hmm. Well, one of the one of the interesting things with the city of Regina is that every major pipeline in Canada, oil and gas pipeline in Canada, runs either through the city of Regina or within a couple of miles of the city of Regina. So it's just geographically the way it's located with all the oil fields. Everything from Alberta flows that direction. Everything heading down to the states passes through there. Everything going east goes off. So we had storage cabins. We had a refinery complex. Uh, we had large oil storage facilities in the city and all of these pipelines. So it, it created some very interesting training opportunities. Um, and the refinery complex in the city um, it was very well run, a very good group to work with. Um, but no, no organization is free from hiccups or bumps along the road. And, and so there was an incident there at one point um, where there was a, a leak in, in one of the processes or whatever, and they'd had a fire, a small explosion and a fire, and they were, they were dealing with that on site. Um, so our job to set up, and it was very interesting because sort of stuck in that not knowing what was going on and, and, and uh, looking for that information um, I got actually notified by the EMS guy who was, they were heading off to respond to it. And he phoned me and said, Hey, do you know what happened? And I said, no, what's going on? He said, Oh, there was an explosion at the refinery complex. And when you know it at that point in time, his cell phone dropped the call and I'm sitting there going, what? <laughs> um, so was able to get some information pretty quickly, but that was very interesting because, because that's one of those situations where, you know, you've done a lot of, looking at it and prepping for it and, and plans and procedures. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts if, with something like that. And in the end, it turned out to be a fairly minor event and, and it wasn't, uh, there was no offsite or off the refinery, refinery site consequences to deal with. But that was, uh, that was a very interesting opportunity and a, and a bit of an eye opener, if you will, um, right. as to, uh, as to what this industry is really all about, like what it, what it boils down to and why that information is important and why those processes to, to get the information and have it moving and flowing quickly and freely is just so vital to what we do. So, mm. Because you've moved through different environments in your career thus far, many of our students, they're from the oil and gas industry. They've um, studied and learned and been awarded industry training standards and safety and emergency response and they've done that for many years and held their own positions plus carried the emergency response and safety positions as well and maybe they're thinking about where to from here um, and also we may have people that are new graduates coming through the program so what's some career advice or some wisdom that you could share well the one thing i really like about emergency management is it's a very it's a very focused field, but it's very diverse in nature. Um, there's, there's so many different ways you can take this to suit your own personal strengths um, and interests, uh, which, which, is, which is fascinating. So I, I always try and encourage people that are wanting to get into this to, one, um, try and get some response experience. So whether that's through a fire to volunteer fire department or whether that's through an organization like the Red Cross or something like that, where you, you get out to see, see the emergency from the ground level, from that public response level looking up. That's had a huge impact on my ability to effectively communicate with those groups, but also to plan for and work with those groups. 
So um, definitely encourage people to try and find some way to get that, that response experience if you can. Um, and yeah, you know what, like I say, as you, as you go through the industry, you start to find those things that, that you, you, you become very interested in. Um, there's a lot of sister uh, close um, occupations. So the, the occupational health and safety industry, for example, um, I kind of consider that micro level um, um, emergency management and emergency management is kind of the macro level occupational health and safety when you really kind of boil it down. Right. So working very close with those folks um, has been interesting. Um, and again, so that that's almost a range where you can, you can figure out where along that spectrum you, you're interested in being, do you want to be at the, the very top and pushing directives down from say a head office perspective and pushing it out to different sites do you want to be on the, the guy on the site that takes that information and has to apply it and make it work and function? Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody needs a job. We've got to find something. But I, I think uh, the best thing to do is once you get that experience, start looking at what, which of those things really uh, really tickles your fancy or interests you the most. Mm. And then, um, then pursue that aspect. Like I say, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing industry where you get to stay very, very focused on what you do. But really over a broad spectrum of, of opportunities. But yeah, the, the biggest thing for me has been to encourage people to try and find some way to get a little bit of uh, experience being somebody working under that emergency management umbrella. So being that response level and seeing it from underneath, you know, seeing what that looks like when that, that information's pushed down, because that has such a big impact on how we package our information when it's our job to push that information down or, or, or push that out to a community or an organization. So. Well, Jay, I really want to thank you for your time for sharing what you're doing now and the experiences that you've had and advice for people moving through the industry and their training right now. Thank you so much for making this happen today for us. Well, it's been my pleasure. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks. You too.